President Roosevelt made the statement that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And probably you've heard that, that statement before. And fear in, in itself is just is an, an anxious feeling that is caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. Now, in, in every circumstance of our life, we, we either operate in faith or we operate in fear. Uh, there's those two areas. So everyone, every one of us here in this room tonight has our own fears. Uh, there are different kind of fears. Uh, some, some people have fears that other people would think, you, you know, what are you, what are you afraid of that? And, and, but they have their own fears that, you know, and, and so we, we all have our fears. Some people, they're, they're afraid of losing their job or their health or their finances. And the list could go on and on of all of the things that cause us to fear. And so fear and worry statistic from the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health in September 4, 2016 report reported that percentage of things feared that will never take place is 60%. So 60% of the things that we fear about, that we have fear about, will never take place. They said percentage of things feared that are considered to be insignificant for you are 90%. So 90% of our fear are things that are insignificant. In other words, why do we fear, <laughs> you know, if it's insignificant? And then they said percentage of things feared in relation to health that will never happen is 88%. So again, why fear? When, when the statistics show those things. But we fear things, don't we? It's kind of like the five-year-old uh, little Johnny who was in the kitchen helping his mother uh, make supper one night, and she asked him to go into the pantry and to get her a can of tomato soup, but he didn't, he didn't want to go in there alone. And so he protested. He said, it's dark in there, and I'm scared. Well, his mother asked him again, and he persisted, no, I, I don't want to go in there. And finally, she said to him, it's okay, go. Jesus will be there with you. It'll be okay. So Johnny walked over to the, to the pantry door, and very carefully he opened up the door, and he looked in, and sure enough, it was dark in there. And he turned around and thought, I can't do this. I, I, I got to go tell Mommy I can't do this. But then a thought came to his mind, and he opened the door a little bit further, and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me the tomato soup? <laughs> All through the day, we have the choice to believe that either God is in control and good things are in store for us, or we can go around worried and negative and expecting the worst. We, we have that choice. And, and sadly, a lot of people go around through their whole day expecting the worst, expecting something bad's going to happen to me. People, people are going to, you know, give me a hard time or whatever we expect the worst. But we can be controlled either by 
believing that God is in control or expecting the work. I've, I've heard people say, I, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job, or I'm afraid that, you know, for the future of my, of my children, I'm afraid of the test results that I'm going to have uh, when I go to the doctor. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, all of these things. And what they do not realize is that they are surrounded by fear instead of faith. And very soon, it will be a reality. If, if that's all we are thinking about is fear instead of having faith that God is in control of what's going on in my life, it becomes a reality. In fact, it's interesting, and I think probably most of us have read over this portion of Scripture in Job. We all know about Job and the things that Satan did and all of that. But at the very beginning of the book, in Job chapter 3, in verse 25 and 26, Job said, What I fear has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. And so here Job is saying that he had a problem. When everything was going good, he was afraid and he was worrying all the time that something was going to happen in his life. And the result of Job's fear was that what he feared came upon him. And so fear gives the enemy permission to attack us. And that's what Satan did in Job's life. Job opened the door by, by his fear of all these things. And so Satan was like, okay, great. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to shoot right for that. And, of course, we know the story. He went to God and... and um, and, and God gave him permission then. Uh, there was a rich couple whose, um, who, whose bedroom was on the second floor of their, their bungalow house that they had. And almost every, every other night when they would go to bed, the wife would uh, get into the bed. And when the husband was ready to get in bed, she said, Honey, w would you go downstairs? Uh, maybe some thieves are around tonight. So the husband would get out of bed, and he would go downstairs, and, and nothing down there. He'd come back up, no, there's not. Well, I heard something. He said, there's nothing down there. So a couple nights later, honey, would you go downstairs? I, I, maybe the thieves are here tonight. So he'd go down. Well, eventually, he, he come to realize that the noise that she was hearing was the neighbor's cat's outside of their, their window, but as a routine, he would go whenever his wife would ask him because that didn't satisfy her, and he'd go down, he would check out, and sure enough, there were no thieves at home that night. Well, this, this went on for 30 years of marriage, about every other night he'd have to go down there. And one day, as usual, the wife sent him down it, it, right before they got into bed, he got into bed, to check for thieves. And so when the husband went down, sure enough, Sure enough, there was a thief who pointed his gun at him, and he said, give me all of your valuables. Don't you make a sound. Just give me your valuables. And so this, he gave him all of his valuables, and the thief turned around, and he was ready to run off. And the man said, hey, 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 wait a minute. You, you can't leave yet. You've got to come upstairs and meet my wife. <laughs> the thief was like, why? He said, well, she's been expecting you for the last 30 years. You need to come and talk to her. We all face fears from time to time, don't we? 
And so we need to know how to face fear. So how, how does a believer live in a fearful generation? I would have to say we have a fearful generation. And things got worse in the last couple of years when we added COVID to the whole thing. And, and there are many that are still trying to push this whole, this whole thing of, of fear. But how does a believer overcome fear? I'm not saying that, that, that we shouldn't deal with the situations at hand and be careful and all that. But we're not, we're not to be fearful, God is a sovereign God. He's in control of all things. So how, how do we do that? Well, tonight we're going to focus on one verse only, and a little different than what we normally do, but we're going to look at one verse in Isaiah 41.10. And in order to ground this verse into the context, because I, 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 I want to make sure that we don't take it out of context, let me, let me just quickly say what's going on in this particular chapter in Isaiah chapter 41. God is speaking to all of the countries who do not follow the one true God. And so he is speaking to the people who are not believers in the God of the Bible. And so in verses 1 to 7, God makes the case that it is he who is in control of all things and, and that there is no other God but him, and he's the one in control, not these other so-called gods of the other countries. And so the people of the other lands make their own gods by crafting idols of worship, but they are in reality no gods at all. And then in verse 8, God contrasts the people who do not follow him with the people who do follow him, the Israelites. And so God says in, in, in 41, in verses 8 to 10, he says, But you, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest regions and said to you, you are my servants. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now look at that last verse again, verse 10. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the verse that I want to expose tonight. God is speaking to the people who follow him. He is speaking to the people from, from, from who would come the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so God is speaking also to us today in verse 10. And so the question that we have for us tonight is what is it that you fear? And again, some of you could answer that question right off the bat. You, you don't even have to think about it. You could, you, you could just spit it right out. But others, you might have to think about it for a little bit. And, and eventually, you would be able to tell me some things that, that, that you fear. It may be that you feel, fear loneliness or feel illness. Um, some people fear getting older. It's no fun getting older, is it? And some people fear rejection. Others fear natural catastrophes like earthquakes or tornadoes, or if you live closer to the ocean, hurricanes, and, and they fear those things. 
In fact, I read where the former Soviet dictator, uh, Joseph Stalin, so feared for his safety that, that his residence in Moscow contained eight bedrooms. And each night, Stalin chose a different bedroom to sleep in so that nobody would know exactly what bedroom he was in. He would go from one room to the other because he was so afraid for his life. But odds are every single one of us has some kind of fear in another. For millions of Americans, our fears are, are phobias that we have acquired over the years. Perhaps we've even picked up uh, those phobias from the culture that has shaped us. And I'm not, I'm not for blaming everything on our, our, our parents and our grandparents and stuff like that, but sometimes our phobias come from that. An, an overprotective parent, for example, may raise a child who is given to certain fears. Because when that child was small, his mother would say things, now be very careful when you go over there. And remember, you can't trust anybody. You need to watch out. Don't get killed today while you're out there. You know, those kind of things. I mean, you plant those seeds every day in the mind of a little child. Sooner or later, that little boy or that little girl begins to grow up and they are overly cautious. They seldom take risks. They never trust anybody. Why? Because embedded deeply into their psyche are the words of their mother or their father, be careful, you can't trust people, watch out, don't do these things. Others have fears of, of heights or fears of crowds or fears of flying or, or whatever. Maybe, maybe you're wondering, well, what, what is the difference between worry and fear? Because I, I catch myself worrying sometimes, is that a fear? Or is there a difference there between the two? Well, it seems to me that worry is predominantly, predominantly a kind of settled concern about something, uh, one thing or another. Worry seems to be more gradual in its work. We worry because we said something that we shouldn't have said, and, and we wonder if there will be, an, uh, you know, uh, repercussions for that thing or are we worry about whether we're going to have enough money to pay our bills those things are worry fear on the other hand is more instantaneous uh, fear is that paralyzing emotion that causes you to freeze in fright or to run and hide so fear carries the idea uh, of course of being afraid Something scared us, and we're fearful. And so what is the root cause of all of this fear? Well, it's interesting to me that you can go all the way back to the first family, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And there you will see where, where fear was born. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. And when God came to them that day in the garden, like he had done every day, walked with them in the garden, God said, where art thou, Adam? Well, where was Adam? He was hidden. Why was he hidden? Because he was afraid. Fear originated from sin. Before that first sin, the word fear was not in Adam and Eve's dictionary. But as soon as they sinned against God, 
fear was born. And we've been dealing with it ever since. In, uh, in his book, um, uh, Fuzzy Memories, Jack Hadley writes about a bully who demanded his lunch money every day when he was in elementary school. And since he was kind of a smaller, skinny type of a kid, he would just give his money to the bully every day. And then he decided that one day I'm going to fight back. And so he, he started taking karate lessons. He wanted this guy to teach him how to do karate. So he started doing that. But one day the karate guy, um, lessons guy said, you need to start paying $5 a lesson. I can't give you free lessons anymore. And so Jack said he just went back to paying the bully. <laughs> he wasn't going to pay the karate guy. So, <coughs> you know, too many people feel it's easier just to pay the bully than it is to learn how to conquer fear in our life. But we're going to learn tonight how to conquer the bully of fear in our, in our lives. And this one verse will help us to do just that. So rather than, rather than being victimized or even paralyzed by our fears, we're going to learn how to conquer the fear. So let me say that if you have ever memorized, if you've never memorized this verse here, let me encourage you to memorize this verse tonight. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am for, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, you think about it, we, we need to put that to memory. And so if, if you can memorize, you memorize uh, or maybe you feel like you can't, this is an easy verse to do. And let me just encourage you to, to memorize it tonight as as I'm preaching. I mean, some, some give you something to do, you know. Um, so you'll walk out of here with this verse on your mind if you don't remember anything else. So try to memorize this verse tonight. And so when you are overwhelmed by fear, number one, be encouraged by the presence of God. So we begin the verse and memory is, fear not, I am with you. That's pretty easy. Fear not, I am with you. Isn't that a wonderful statement? God says, fear not because I am with you. And so the Bible here is dealing with the doctrine of omniscience or omnipresence. I'm sorry, with omnipresence. So, so the teaching here is that God is with us wherever we go. There isn't any place that we can go that God isn't present there. And there's a lot of scriptures that, that talk about it, that, that whether we ascend into heaven or down to hell or, or in, in the cliff or cleft of the rock or wherever we are, God is always there with us. There's no place that you can go. So there's no place to go but that God is there with you. He is always with you. Therefore, you need not fear. So if, you ever take, if you've ever taken your child to the doctor's office or, or a dentist's office when, when they were young, and you would understand this, how encouraging this verse is. Because if you remember back when you took them, or maybe you've taken your grandchildren or whatever, your child is sitting there in the doctor's office or the dentist's office, and they said, and they said to you, don't leave me, Daddy. Stay right here with me, Mommy. You're not going to leave me here, are you? You're not going to go away. You're going to go in with me. Now, why is that encouraging to a small child? 
I mean, you're not the one who is going to do the physical examination. You're not the one who's going to check the mouth of, uh, for cavities or do any of that kind of stuff. So why is it encouraging for your little child to have you there? You see, there's just, there, there's just something about knowing that the parent is there that calms that child's nerve. It, if, if things get bad, the child knows that somehow the parent is going to step in and take charge of the situation. The parent is there to, to, to oversee what happens to this child. And, and somehow the child understands that and knows that. Now, listen. That's what is so encouraging about the presence of God in our lives. God says, fear not, for I'm with you. I'm with you. There's nothing you need to be afraid of. That is, if things get bad, I'm going to step in there, and I'm going to take charge of the situation. I'm in control. Don't worry. I'm right here by your side. And so when, when you go to the doctor's office for that procedure, be encouraged by the presence of God. Fear not, for he is with you. And when you're driving in your car and it's dark and it's raining and the, the rain is crashing down violently upon your windshield, be encouraged by the presence of God. Fear not, he says, for I am with you. So let me say that th this verse is written to believers. If you are not a believer in the one true God, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have every reason in the world to be afraid. Absolutely every reason in the world. The Bible teaches that we are naturally separated from God. We are separated from him because of our sin. We are born with a sin nature. So if we do not receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we die separated from God, and we spend eternity separated from him in a lake of fire. So the only way to be reconciled to God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he died on the cross and paid for your sin, debt in full, and you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then he says, fear not because you're his child. Fear not for I am with you. Now, apparently somebody has counted uh, all of the occurrences of the word fear not in the Bible. And I realize that with the computers nowadays, you can come up with those numbers uh, pretty quickly. But it used to be they have to do it, you know, just by reading the whole thing and counting them. But somebody had counted all the fears not in the Bible, and they have discovered that there is 365 of them. Does that number ring a bell? 365, one for every day of the year. So God, God likes to remind us to fear not in this verse. He tells us why we need not fear, because he says, I am with you. So be encouraged by the presence of God. So you got that first part memorized already? Say it with me, fear not, for I am with you. So, so when you are overwhelmed by fear, secondly, be encouraged in the power of God. He says, secondly, be not dismayed, for I am your God. God, God says, be not dismayed. Now, that word dismayed um, that means to look around anxiously, or to wander about as though fretting about. You hear people talking about, what are you fretting about? Have you ever done that? You just kind of wander around anxiously or you're fretting about something. You, you, do, do you ever wonder about and, and, and fret in, in fear? A lot of people do. And so God says, don't do that. 
Don't, don't do that. And then he tells us why. He says, for I am your God. I'm in control. Why are you fretting about anything? Why are you fearful of anything? That's a simple and yet powerful statement, isn't it? Be not dismayed, for I am your Elohim. That's the word that is used there, Elohim. He is, he uses the name himself, Elohim, for God. Now, Elohim is the word for God that speaks of God's greatness, of his divine power as the creator of the universe, as the sovereign ruler of all things, as the one and only supreme being. And so God is saying to us here, here's why you should not be dismayed. Because I am your Elohim. Be encouraged by my power. There is no power like my power. And so don't be fearful. So God knows everything and he has absolute power over everything in this world. So God says, be not dismayed. Do not fret about. Do not look around anxiously for I am your God. I have the power over that thing that you fear. And so name that. And God said, that thing, be encouraged by my power. So now you've memorized the second part of the verse, right? Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. You got that so far? So let's, let's kind of take it from the beginning. We're going to have a quiz at the end. <laughs> fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. That's good. Be encouraged by the presence of God. Be encouraged by the power of God. And then be encouraged by the promise of God. By the promise of God. In the, in the last part of this verse that, that you're memorizing tonight, you will note three promises. See, it's so simple to memorize this verse, isn't it? You got three main points that, that he says, Fear not, for I am with you. And be not dismayed, for I am your God. And then he says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. So there's three things that we see, see here. When you are fearful, you can be encouraged knowing that God promises these three things. Number one, God promises to strengthen you. I will strengthen you. When you're afraid, you feel weak, don't you? You, you, you feel like you can't stand up. You feel like you, you can't hardly get your breath because you're afraid of something. And, and God says, I will strengthen you. So when we're overcome, we, we become weak. We stop breathing. Our knees start knocking together. Anything can cause this fear. There's, there's a great violent uh, thunderstorm one, one summer evening when a mother was tucking her small, small child into, small boy into bed and and she was about to turn off, and the, and the little boy asked what mothers are often asked during thunderstorm. Um, with uh, a little tremor in his voice, he said to his mother, Mommy, will you sleep in my bed tonight? The mother smiled and gave him a reassuring hug, and she said, I can't, dear. Mommy is going to sleep in, in, in Daddy's bed tonight. And the little boy kind of frowned at her, and he said, The big sissy. <laughs> so, 
So we need to be encouraged by the promise of God. God promises to strengthen you. He said, I will strengthen you. Trust in God to do that, to strengthen you, and he will. What else, what else does God promise to do in this verse? Well, God promises to help you. Yes, I will help you. He said, I will strengthen you, and yes, I will help you through whatever it is that you're going through. And so we must depend upon God to help us in our time of need. We must ask him for that help. And, and if, we, if we ask him for help, he will help us. In her book, Kids of the Kingdom, Carol, Carolyn Lehman uh, writes about a time when, when she was asked to give a report about her Good News Club at a teacher's rally. Well, she, she was nervous about speaking in front of a, a, a crowd of people. She had no problem talking to little children, but when she thought about adults and, and all of that, so, so she, she was with her, her children sometime beforehand, and, and, and she asked her children that she taught on a regular basis to pray that she would not be frightened when she spoke before this large group of, uh, of people. And so a little six-year-old volunteered to lead in prayer. And, and then they all bowed their head, and, and this little girl prayed real softly, Dear Jesus, please help Mrs. Lehman not to be scared when she gives her talk in front of the millions and millions and millions of people. <laughs> so, so those words probably didn't call, calm Mrs. Lehman very much, but the little girl was going to the right source, wasn't she? She was talking to God. And God promises to help us in our times of need. Be not dismayed. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. There's a, there's a great story in the book of Second Chronicles in chapter 20. Uh, there we read that the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by the enemies and King Jehoshaphat is afraid. He's fearful. And so he turns to God for help. And, and, and he his prayer is so honest. He said, we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. And we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. And God answered by helping Jehoshaphat and giving Jerusalem a great victory that day. So when you are fearful, Admit your fears to God. Don't be afraid to go to God and talk to him about your fear and say, I am powerless. I, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are upon you, oh God. I'm looking to you. Nothing wrong with that prayer. So what else does God promise to do? God promised to strengthen you. He promised to help you. And number three, God promises to uphold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God promises to hold us up. He promises to keep us steady, to never lose grip of us. And he holds us up with his righteous right hand. That is, he holds us with his strength, with his strong, victorious hand. God holds us up. He never relaxes his grip. 
It's kind of like, I think when, when we went to Niagara Falls when our kids were little, I mean, the national conference was up there, the GRBC conference, and we went, what a beautiful state to go and have the national conference in. And, and I remember walking along the, the river edge, and if you've never been to Niagara, the, the river, you're on the sidewalk and you walk over in the grass and right there's the river just rushing along and one slip into that river and you're over the falls. I mean, there's no guardrail there. There's nothing to protect you. And these little kids, they needed to have somebody have a death grip on their hands. And I'm sure I broke their hands. I was not going to let go of them. And God says, I will uphold you with thy righteous right hand. He said, I've got a hold of you, and I'm not going to let you go. And so God says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So how can we conquer fear? We conquer fear by the presence of God. We conquer it by the power of God. And we conquer it by the promises of God. So have you memorized the verse? Let's say it together. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Now use this verse this week as you conquer fear. When fear comes in your mind, allow that verse to come in your mind right away to help you. So whatever situation you find yourself in, sharing Jesus with someone, going to the doctor, going to a job interview, giving a speech, whatever it is, remember, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ within you, this verse will help you to conquer fear. Let's pray.